David, happy one year. <laughs> happy one year. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's been a, it's been a year. Yeah. It's been a year, and it's been a year. Like, oh my god, that feels way more loaded, right? It's been a year. Yeah, <laughs> every time I talk year. about last year, I'm like, so five years ago was the last time before the pandemic. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like it's been a year, little Y, and a big. It's been a year, capital Y. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging empowering, and, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Just this last summer, so summer 2021, you and I have been doing traveling again, and we went to San Antonio and Atlanta, and we were speaking to coffee shop owners about how to start podcasts and why to start a podcast, and we always started the conversation with, you know, telling the story of how we fell into podcasting, and... I think that that term really came to me with one of our episodes with Natalie Carpenter, how she said she fell into infertility and that I felt similar in that sentiment when it came to podcasting. For those of you that don't know the story, in April of 2020, the pandemic had just hit. David and I were pivoting our businesses and our work and our personal lives had changed so much just like everyone else. And only a few weeks after my dad had unexpectedly passed away, we found ourselves in front of a mic supporting coffee shop owners as they closed their doors. They closed their physical, tangible third place, and we were trying to create a third place, a safe place for them in a digital space. And we quickly realized that the work that we wanted to do was so much greater than just sticking to the coffee and tea space. And we asked ourselves, can we have a third place outside of a tangible community space? The answer was yes for a digital third place, the podcast. And then we really took it one step further and we, we talked about having a third place mentality or a third place approach and moving away from division and dualism from this or that to this and that into our um, taking in this third place mentality with us wherever we went. And we've really found our secret sauce to be that this can be done through awkward and uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. I mean, when I think about, you know, just the year, it is a short period of time. And then at the same time, it's really honestly hard for me to remember what not doing this podcast with you feels like. Uh, so it feels like it's been such a long time as well, but yeah, I mean, we, it's almost like we internally ask the question, how do we move from a this or that perspective to that this and that, to that middle space, to that third place? We took on this posture of curiosity, humility, and a generous perspective. And that has really been the bedrock of now this third place podcast. So by embodying those postures, 
we've learned so much. I've learned so much from so many that I guess so much from you just in, in you and I talking through uh, this and that perspective. And it's been really phenomenal. So, you know, we're going to share some clips in this episode of some of our favorite moments. And it was really hard to whittle down to be totally honest and also really amazing to see the progress that we've made in this last year when it comes down to it, a lot of our favorite episodes came from uh, a lot of our psychology or social sciences uh, guests that were giving us the tools to be able to keep sustaining these conversations. So David just referred to that three of the main pillars or, or approaches that we take here at the third place is having curiosity, really being rooted in humility and finding a generous perspective at every turn because when you embody those three things, you can actually have and host awkward conversations and know that your worst case scenario is pretty unlikely. And you may push into that a little bit, but ultimately you'll be able to to come from a place that will be productive more than not. So yeah, we, we feel like our guests really taught us a lot over the last year and We've definitely evolved. So I think when you first started listening to us, we were having somewhat of uncomfortable conversations. We were really like testing the waters, trying topics on for size. And maybe it wasn't clear to you because it wasn't clear to us what our goals and intentions were. And now we feel like we've raised the bar and there's only going to be two things that you can expect from us. We will be having awkward or uncomfortable conversations at every turn. And we will be having episodes where we address those tools for you to be able to have those awkward and uncomfortable conversations. So it it's these two things that we feel like go hand in hand, but we want you to know what to expect. And it's become more clear to us over the last year. And we appreciate you rolling with us as we get more and more fine-tuned in the art of the third place. Yeah, Mary, I mean, I, when I think about when you asked me what my favorite moments were, it's quite honestly, it is pretty hard to, to narrow down. Um, there were so many. And of those many that come to mind, they all were representing some kind of depth. So when I think about the favorite moments, it also makes me question the what are what some of the pivotal moments. I think that there were several moments that we realized that we were on to something really special with the podcast, but that kind of amped it up for us. So were there any pivotal moments that you saw that really is like, oh, wait a minute, there's something here for you? Without question, when Sonam, one of our episodes on having difficult conversations, a pivotal moment was the the number drop when she said 30,000 times in referring to our emotional brain versus our logical brain when we're in a fight or flight. And that we can feel like we're in a fight or flight with the littlest of triggers. It's so like a back to that little T, big T trauma experience. Our body experiences it that dramatically, regardless of the lower or upper case. I remember that so much because I feel like that's come through every single time when we're having these uncomfortable conversations. We might actually be creating a little bit of a trauma response, even just by you tuning in as a listener. I know that David and I have had so many moments just in these conversations and interviews that have taken us days, weeks, or still processing. And 
uh, that number helps me realize what I'm working with and how I can work with it. And I tend to be someone that likes to think in numbers. So when she said that our emotional hot brain is 30,000 times stronger than our logical brain when we're feeling a sense of threat, it gives me my own generous perspective. Human beings by nature don't like confrontation. So when you look at evolutionary psychology, it's clear to see that one of the main principles that's helped us to survive as a species is really cooperation. Um, so it makes sense that when it comes to having difficult conversations, it makes us uncomfortable and it's almost a visceral gut reaction. Um, so when we look at how our mind works, it's broken down into kind of like two ways of processing. We have our a two-track mind. There's our conscious, rational thought that tends to be our deliberate high road. And that's where we have our more reflective and rational thinking. So we can call it our rational cool brain. And this thinking takes place in the prefrontal cortex. But what many people don't realize or easily forget is that it's our unconscious mind that's actually 30,000 times more powerful than our conscious rational thought. And this part of our mind is the automatic way of thinking, which tends to be entirely intuitive. So we can call this our emotional hot brain. And this is where our feelings of fear, desire, anger, or the urge to respond to something impulsively come up. Um, and this part of our mind often leads people to bypass the self-regulatory controls and self-standards we have in place just when we need them most. And this is where the fight or flight response comes from. I mean, I relate to that a little bit, even in our one of our most current episodes with Ryan, that we all have bias. Like so quickly, we think about bias as this negative connotation right now as as like things like critical race theory are a hot topic within our society. We tend to associate bias with a race conversation um, when in reality, it's it's not good or bad. It just is. And it's something that we all have. And it allows me to separate the emotion of bias. It allows me to set it aside and my own biases too and say, oh, there it is. And so then when I see it show up, it's it's almost just acknowledging that it's present within me helps me to then work out the kinks and, and how do I readjust and how do I undo maybe biases that are false. At a macro level, kind of what we're talking about today is overcoming discrimination and until recently, if, if you've been in the business of trying to fight discrimination like the Freedom Center does, you've been relegated to an idea that bias and discrimination is a bunch of bad people doing bad things, as opposed to the knowledge that, that everybody has bias. And to fully understand discrimination, you need to understand that a lot of this stuff might have to be unintentional for the simple reason that virtually all of our thinking is unintentional. And so if we're really a museum of conscience, which we are, we have to be willing and able to confront all forms of discrimination with the best methods and practices, which now include the idea that not all this stuff is done by bad people. It's done by human beings. And getting bias into people's minds is not something that is done by bad people. It's done by human beings is an important part of all this. If we're talking pivotal moments in the last year, when we tried something we had never done before, it had only been a few months since we started, but when we did a series and uh, it was so near and dear to me, but also so collective because it was the end of 2020 and we realized that there was this collective uh, sense of grief. So 
doing four episodes on grief, it kind of felt like doing a master's degree in a podcast format or something for, in a concise way, definitely an accelerated master's degree or no way near. I'm definitely, (laughs) but I, I remember feeling like every single interview and conversation we were having, we were coming at grief from every angle and it felt just as spiritual to me as it did powerful, productive, um, enlightening. I mean, you name it. We had some of what I would consider some of the first guests that I felt like were really profound in the platform and clarity of what they were providing the world and also addressing something that was really, really substantial and of the times addressing the grief at the end of last year. And I still to this day feel like it's changed my own relationship with grief and the loss of my father last year. And it's also given me tools to support myself and, and mirror that to others. Grief is not just about physical, tangible loss. Like it's just loss in general. And I, that was another mind blowing moment, just like that 30,000 number. As a society, we tend to suppress harder emotions like anger, like sadness. We're kind of taught like we need to keep it together or we should just like move on. You know, you don't want to feel sad because um, we, we should just be happy all the time. And it's for someone who has just gone through such a monumental loss. I mean, our body is like physiologically responding to this. It's not like we even have conscious control over some of these emotional responses. So it just does a huge disservice when we're not allowed to feel what we need to feel. And I think that's what really gets people stuck in their grief. Um, Cause we get caught in this like cycle of negative thoughts saying I should feel happy. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm not allowed to be angry when all of this is a natural response to a loss. Yeah, every one of those guests was really incredible. And they brought in their unique perspective to it and their expertise to it. And I learned so much from that series. Um, I mean, I remember one of them (laughs) at the end, we didn't put this on air, but I kind of like put my headphones down. I was like, okay, that was my own therapy session. Thank you so much for that. Uh, You know, just I learned so much and was able to apply so much to grief that I was sitting in at that moment. Um, And it wasn't even with uh, physical loss of you know, someone um, dying, that was something as a, as a country, we just are still living through this, a lot of trauma around unexpected losses, but relational loss um, too. And so that's the grief that I was sitting in, you know, while we went through the pandemic and while we went through the political discord that we were facing, the, the amount of grief that I was having uh, present just in loss of relationship or loss of depth of relationship, not even that the relationships went away, but the relationships changed um, was pretty painful. And it was really healing for me to process with experts in, in these fields. I think grief exposes our raw bones. <laughs> it exposes the truth of our relationships. It exposes the truth of our coping mechanisms, of how well we've developed, <laughs> of how we can accept the suffering and the pain and not reject it. It shows the truth of how willing we are to share and sit in it. Um, Grief is just one of those things that for whatever reason is still such a stigma 
even though we're starting to talk about it more. And I think now I would love it if in 2020 to 2021, you know, a lot like when we normalized anxiety and anxiety disorder, we can start to normalize grief and really have it as something that is at the table systemically. You know, we, we talk about bereavement leave. Uh, we talk about, you know, ways that workplaces can support people who have gone through loss, more community settings and, and just people in general having more of a, of a comfort level with talking about loss. We struggle so much with this in general. Another really huge moment for us uh, when it comes down to like the, the pillars of the third place, I think is that we had to address that you can't just have these awkward and uncomfortable conversations if you have not had your basic needs met. So talking to Dr. Liz and talking about basic needs, Maslow's hierarchy, and really bringing that into this current state of being, exploring what that means, what that looks like, and really acknowledging that, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, we should just have more awkward and uncomfortable conversations. And it's another thing to say, hey, let's first acknowledge what is, uh, what's realistic for each one of us and are your needs being met? And if they are, if they are not, then we can come from that place. Um, and that, that first needs to be brought into the forefront. Absolutely. Yeah, that was such a huge episode and, and Vernica's as well. Just, um, we all have these drives and, you know, how do we, how do we recognize them within ourselves, but also extend that to realizing everybody is these drives also, and that we're all seeking kind of the same thing. And if any one of those drives is, is lacking, then it's really that much more difficult to go into the third place. So it's, it's kind of an awareness of not only what's going on within yourself, but with all the other people around you. So he splits this triangle in half, basically. It says the bottom part is called deficiency needs. They're needs that are triggered by their absence. So these are things that you need to basically survive and feel comfortable in your environment. So food, water, shelter, clothing, sleep, sex. These are these drives that we have, kind of biological drives, right? And yes, any given moment in time, you might feel hunger, but of course, as time goes without food, that drive becomes more and more and more pressing on you, right? So a neat way to think about Maslow's hierarchy isn't just where I am, am I in life, but also this moment mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that's pressing me, right? I mean, you think about when you're hungry and you're trying to do anything else. Sometimes all you can think about is, is your stomach growling, right? Yeah. So you have those basic physiological, and then above that is safety. So you mentioned the word safety, and that's one of the basic categories, that Maslow has. And this safety is not only physical security, like job security or physical safety, like I'm I'm not going to get shot at or murdered, right? It can also mean security emotionally. It can mean having a sense of predictability about the world. Uh, Unpredictability, uncertainty is terrorizing Uh to uh, people. To humans, it's our nature. We we it's a it's our second basic need next to food is feeling like there is some sense of control and predictability. Yeah. So as you can see, this work has been really spiritual for David and I, and um, that it's truly changed my life. And again, we didn't even have an intention to have a podcast, and now we have one, and we wouldn't want to stop if we were told we had to. And 
what you can expect though for us moving forward um we're gonna keep doing this work side by side with you all making sure that you feel like you're getting more and more equipped with with tools just like we are attempting to another favorite moment uh for me is when we were talking to Kristoff on dwarfism and I asked him, I said, you know, what's the PC? Like, what are we supposed to say people with dwarfism? Do we refer to little people? Like, what's the most compassionate way to express this trait? And he said, call me my name. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and those are the moments that, like, you know, we're going to, we are imperfect and putting ourselves in the place where we can learn too. And so hopefully by us asking the things that people may avoid asking uh, in a safe place, though, we're really trying to create a safe place that you can see that we're learning just beside you. Yeah, it feels like we're really just one step ahead. You know, we just happen to be the person that's interviewing a guest, but we're, we're kind of coming to that table like a student in a classroom. So we're, we're learning right aside with, with everyone. Um, and then we get to share it. Yeah. Yeah, so let's like really briefly run through some of our milestones, David. And, <laughs> um, so we published our first episode in April of last year. And then, like we mentioned, took a pause, rebranded, really thought about what we were trying to do. And we re- relaunched last August, August 11th, with a more clear approach on awkward conversations in a safe place. Yeah. So uh, to me, August feels like our birthday um, just because of that. It's really when we identified what this podcast was all about. So here we are one year in. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what we've been able to do in this past year, I think also just enforces that this has been pretty magical. Uh, In the early part of December, we hit top 5% globally on a site called Listen Notes that looks at how many episodes you produce, how often you produce them, how regularly you produce them, a lot of Google Analytics, like how all the other things that might support the episode. So very quickly uh, hit a pretty significant milestone. Uh, and that was pretty sweet. Yeah. And then from there, we did our first giveaway, which was around that grief series, some to over like $1,500. And you don't really hear of giveaways too much with startup podcasts. So that was really fun to bring in some of our different business experience and pull together a ton of resources for someone that had been going through a lot of grief in the last year. And then fast forward to the start of this summer, things really took on shape and we hit Mach 50, which was intense and really exciting. We got the opportunity to, and were requested to interview the co-founder of Square, Jim McKelvey. And you will hear from his episode in the coming days too about innovation and entrepreneurship and we asked some awkward conversations to a billionaire yeah i remember this was this was after recorded but i it came to me after i remember asking him what do people buy you for your birthday if you're a billionaire and he said um people don't buy me things anymore and (laughs) it was funny and sad at the same time so i think that that was an example of you know we can some of these awkward conversations are pretty intense but some of them like Jim's and Christoph's are a lot of fun too. So um, still, still able to embody the third place in a lot of different ways. 
And then just around that corner, we hit the top 3% globally on Listen Notes on that same platform, which was exciting, followed by our publishing of the 50th episode. Just a couple weeks ago, yeah. And a, a lot of times people may not realize how many downloads it like you know when you think of us as a podcast and you're like okay what does that mean so in this first year we hit 10,000 downloads uh what's cool about that is that's pretty much 90% unique means that we're reaching people well outside of our audience and that's really our goal is ultimately just as much engagement as possible so I'll just run through a few of what's to come a couple ideas and conversations that are already brewing we're looking to talk about some things doing with eating disorders, which I have a personal relationship to, feminine health, talking about periods, also things on the spectrum of poop and uh, bowel movements. Talk about Everybody poops. <laughs> Everybody poops. Um, what else do we have on our docket, David? Well, I think, you know, we'll keep the pulse on what our society is wrestling with, like um, same-sex bathrooms, you know, what? what is the human side of the different sides of those conversations? Cancel culture, I think gender identity and pronouns. And just as we continue to, to wrestle with these different topics, how do we always lean into the humanization of them? You know, there are real people and real emotions and real pains behind every one of these stories. So yeah, you can expect a lot of fun and awkward conversations throughout. We will always come from a place of curiosity humility and generous perspectives we're really really grateful for the last year and we're not going anywhere so keep staying tuned in and thank you for the support yeah thank you so much it's been a blast and it's going to continue to be one absolutely be well third place podcast is produced by podcast publishing house if you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com, for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash third place podcast.